0: Hey guys, real quick before we get into this episode, I need you to do me a couple of favors. First, go give us a review on iTunes. I can't stress it enough. It's really, really important for me to help keep this free and to help me keep it going. Next, get involved with your hunting rights. Go join Howlful Wildlife. Super simple. Takes a couple minutes. You can even do the free membership. I don't care. But be involved. Lastly, I want you to do yourself a favor and up your shooting game and go get you some Phoenix shooting bags. Use promo code John Stallone to save 20%. That's all I got for you. Let's get into this episode. Who knows
1: yeah it's tough to it's tough to tough to tell almost yeah. impossible to tell but uh you know how, how are things um
0: the, you know i can't complain man <clears throat> things are good um business is fucking crazy it's been crazy for never really stopped being crazy it just kept getting more and more nuts it's just right now things are hard because still dealing with Hard time finding material, um you know just supplies and equipment and all that stuff, and then the the labor force like I still don't get it, like it made sense like when covid was going on, and people were getting paid to stay home, right, I don't know if they just got used to that shit or what, like used to being lazy or or realized that you know they could still survive without having to bust their ass, I don't know. I don't know what the case is, but man, it's that, that landscape has changed a lot. And, um, yeah, I mean, I got, I got guys who work for me who clean pools. Like I'm talking about just like service techs. Um, so there's a, you know, there's a, a certain amount of skill, but you can teach anybody who's smart to do it. Um, And, you know, you got to have a, you got to bust your ass and it's it's shit work because you're working in hot environment most of the time and it's labor intensive, but they're making fucking $150,000 a year. Like that's pretty damn good money in, you know, for somebody who doesn't need to even have a high school diploma, you know,
1: your, your guys are making 150 grand a year doing pool work.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Jesus.
0: Yeah, shit. My freaking my sir, my repair tech. I mean, he averages like three grand a week. What is that? He's really. Yeah, fifty-two. That's one fifty-six. Yeah, he's about paying the really good. Well, I do pay. I do pay them well, and that's why I still have a labor force. But um, it's just the nature of the beast, man. It's so hard, and and the problem is my. You know my my costs have gone up like thirty percent, and um, mm-hmm. I'm contracted, so it's not like I could be like, hey, uh, you need to pay me more money. <laughs> you know, no fucker, you're under contract. You, you know. So I've been eating it. Luckily now, you know, January first, I'm I'm able to raise people's prices and stuff. But
1: so how do you raise prices amidst such? crazy inflationary conditions
0: i think everybody knows just just that that everything's cost more money so like if they still want to have the service and the level of service that they're having then they have to you know either pay it or find somebody who's willing to work for less
1: Are are you are you well i guess you still have to find out what that's going to do to business. Do you know what it's going to do to business yet? Yeah. Like, do you have a fair...
0: Well, so I, I've been send, I've been sending out emails. And for the most part, I'll know, um, you know, when, when people are bitching about it. Um, but there'll be, you know, there'll be a few that won't say anything to me and they're going to put it out to bid and that might find somebody to do it for less. So, I don't know. I'm sure there's quite a bit of that going on right now well and I, I i know it's going on right now because the last really honestly this whole year um i've been getting a lot of new business to bid on thrown my way um right. and i haven't really been securing a lot of it because to be perfectly honest with you i was so busy that i was bidding everything high and if i got it great if i didn't get it i was like all right cool whatever um so but that might come back and bite me in the ass, but I didn't have the people to work, so it wouldn't have mattered. I wouldn't have been able to really do it, or I'd be overtaxing my guys, and that'd be a whole nother, whole nother thing. I don't want to burn, burn them out. Right. So anyway, enough of the depression shit. Um, let's talk mule Deer. <laughs>
1: Dude, mule deer hunting hasn't been any better for
0: me. <laughs> I, I, I I know I've been fi- I've been following it. I've been following your your Instagram, but you know, man, those are those are self inflicted, uh, you know, restrictions right there. <laughs> you know, you're you're looking for a certain thing and you want a certain thing, you know. That, well, that that comes with the you know that comes with the fact that you're 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 a mule deer hunter. You know, like, for me, you know, I jump from this, I jump to, to that. I I get my the variety of spice of life fills the need to wanting to find the the biggest and the baddest. You know, for me anyway, but
1: yeah, no, it's it's definitely it's definitely self inflicted. I mean, there's there's a lot of, I guess, just flat on success, so to speak. I could have had. Mm-hmm. Uh, that has not been my, uh, that has definitely not been, you know, what I've been after. I'm not after success. Um, it's nice, and, uh, and while I do thrive on it, it definitely isn't, um, I guess, the cornerstone of, of, you know, what I'm looking for at this point. Just, you know, another dead deer doesn't, I, I think nowadays what happens is like, I'll kill a deer. Uh-huh. And, and then I just, I find myself going, oh, man, what do I do?
0: <laughs> I, I kind of know where you're coming from. I, there's, well, there's been plenty of times where you're like, it's, I don't know if you're like, you're definitely not disappointed in the animal. Well, at least I'm not. But I, I think the feeling is like, well, now, now the adventure is over. Time to go back to life. You know?
2: Yeah, I mean
1: there's definitely that part. But to me there's also the part of I just killed a small buck. Mm. Like I get I don't get excited if I kill, you know, a young buck anymore. I just kind of feel like oh, what did I do that for? It's like disappointment in myself. And and now I'm trying to fight this internal conflict with myself where I actually want to tune out of other people's content because when I see them kill a small buck, it kind of like depresses me. It gets me sad because I see the future of of hunting and the age class and, and the different conditions occurring throughout the West having a hard time, you know, like hearing people complain about it not getting better and wanting to see bigger butts, but then they go shoot a 4 or a small young. It doesn't even matter if the 4G could be a 4-point, just a two-and-a-half-year-old deer with, you know, good genetics that never got to see its potential. It's like, like, I'm just trying to stay in this place where I'm like, okay, like, you got to be willing to help yourself if you want to see this happen, if we all want to see this happen, we got to, like, you know, Kind of understand that you got to pass. You got to be willing to eat a tag if you want to see a bigger deer. Mm-hmm. Unless you don't care about a bigger deer, which is perfectly fine. But I think when people, you know, you're hearing it on uh, on social media quite a bit nowadays. People are, are kind of agitated at not being able to find um, bigger deer, <clears throat> older age class animals, and that you know comes with hey, you gotta you gotta be willing to pass on these things. You gotta let them go. Yeah, but um. But, you know, it's neither here nor there. It's just, I just, uh, I, I just personally, you know, want to kind of level up and do something. And, and that doesn't mean I'm not going to, you know, kill another 160, 170 inch deer at some point. I aspire not to, though. Right, right. I certainly aspire not to. I'm, I'm kind of like, every time I, you know, shoot one of those, I kind of, eh, I kind of just, that's honestly what I do. I go, uh, what did I do? That is my almost immediate reaction. What did I do? <laughs> I walk on, I walk up on it and I'm like, yeah, well, why did I shoot that? So I'm trying to have less of those moments and more of those, Oh my gosh, look at this freaking tank. You know what I mean? But, um, as we kind of journey into that, um, ethos, a uh, big buck side of things, <laughs> there's just less of them.
0: Oh Doesn't yeah, matter
1: what you do, there's just less of
2: them. Yeah, well, there's still just fly. less
0: there's just less deer, period, than than there yeah. has been, um, especially the mule deer. Mule deer, are, are are they're seemingly the being hit the hardest. Uh, actually, whitetail and for the most part are still on the rise in, in most most parts of the country. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I get it i get it and it's a good thing that everybody's in in this for you know different reasons and whatever so you can find whatever makes you happy but um it's tough being in your position i could see that like you know it's like you want you want to like you said level up but there's maybe not the places that you hunt have that opportunity anymore get you know they just don't exist and if they do there's just so few and far between that you know juggling life and work and everything else doesn't you know you have to be out there you know 300 days to find it but
1: i don't know yeah it, it, it's just it's just uh i don't know are, are we recording right now
0: or no uh i'm always recording but doesn't necessarily oh, okay. doesn't necessarily mean that
1: we have to put well, it in. Well, I just, you know, doesn't matter to me. I'm fine with whatever you do. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that um, to kind of give, you know, context, I just, we've been at it for a while, John. You've been at this for a while. And at some point in time, you start to see like a little bit of a bigger picture. You know, you want to be able to, like, for example, I want my son to be able to see some of the things that I've seen in the field. Right. And in order for him to see some of the things that I've seen in the field, that means I'm gonna have to like start practicing, you know, some responsibility with like uh older age class harvests. Mm-hmm. Just focusing on, I mean at the end of the day it sounds like a snobby trophy hunter kind of a thing, right? It sounds like geez, all you are is a trophy hunter, but really, you know, yes, I hunt antlers and I'm not gonna deny it. But at the end of the day, um if you kill a bunch of small bucks, then, you know, it's all that's going to be left is a bunch of small bucks. Yeah. So if you ever want to see some age class, and and I don't think it's, you know, fair to like involve, like having enforcement actions come to where, you know, there's point restrictions or quote unquote age class restrictions or, you know, uh, lowering permit numbers to where nobody gets to hunt. Like, you know, I, I believe in opportunity hunts uh, and I believe in, uh trophy hunts but i believe that if people are not seeing what they want to see on the hunts then they got to be a part of the solution not part of the problem right like it's 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 better to be a self-policed community rather than an enforcement-based community right meaning keep fishing game out of it like just have good ethical management practices care about your local herd enough to be willing to pass to see because Look, if you know you got like a couple dozen guys that are hardcore hunters that are willing to pass, they can set the tone for you know other people, and then after like three, four, five years, see what you got, right? And then have like a few good years. Like, there's no doubt that winter kill and drought and predation are the biggest factors. Not hunting.
0: Oh yeah, Honey I mean, is actually quite small. That's what I was going to say to you, but you you, you let into it so.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like you know we can sit there and preach all we want about like all this other stuff, but guaranteed if we have a bad winter, it's going to wipe out you know over half the population quicker than we can blink. And hunter didn't kill any of them, so I don't think hunting is a problem. I think it's just being responsible. Like if there's a bad drought and it does kill a bunch of deer, let them live,
2: mm-hmm.
1: let them propagate, let them you know let them build back. And and I guess that's my point. You don't you we don't need anybody. Um, to create like a new law or a quota or a, a anything like that, we could sit there and say, "Yeah, this has been hit hard uh, as a group." You know, it's kind of like give them break.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And and I think that as I move forth further into like what I you know I'm looking at, and this being one of the tougher seasons, is this has not had anything to do with opportunity. I mean, I could have killed multiple deer and shot them for the gram and got the likes and the comments, but it really isn't about that. If anything, I'm kind of like creating my own little movement against it. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't need to shoot a buck to feel good about myself. I need to to feel good about myself. I need to know that, wow, they've had a really hard time this year. I'm doing my part. Hunting hard, Mm -hmm. really educating myself on what the terrain and the habitat and the conditions look like post drought seeing what things look like, looking at, you know, what the carrying capacity is, how the feed on the ground looks. Um, there's areas in the desert where massive amounts of vegetative vegetative uh, vegetative die-off has occurred.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And when you see those vegetative states, uh, you know, die off, you know that different depths of roots in the ground have been affected where the moisture in that actual column of soil, not water column, but like, the retention in the soil has diminished to such a degree for such a length of time that, you know, you start seeing stuff with really, really deep roots die, you know the animals don't have a chance. Especially in wilderness areas that don't have, um, like, uh, any type of man-made water, right? Those animals are totally reliant on... Uh, you know, annual springs, and if those annual springs dry out, then you're gonna see, no matter what, you're gonna see massive starvation and thirst die off. Like it's just gonna happen, and it doesn't take very long. All it takes is is you know less than a month. Yeah, less than a month. One hard patch that's less than a month, and then it's gonna wipe the whole entire thing off the map. And so, if you go out there, you spend any time in there, and you see your numbers way, 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 way down, sign way down. Like you can look at, you know, traditional beds that are used year after year after year. If there's old growth, like if there's growth in those beds and, you know, not fresh pawing, you know, of the beds and it's little things, just the ends of the new growth on the, on any type of browse is not there. You, know, you can tell whether it's being occupied or not. Fresh track sign, all that good stuff. But, um, I think that, uh, you know, your deserts doing spectacular. I think this year is going to be banner out there. I think that we're going to see, uh you know, potential new records being set out there in that yeah, area. It would be uh, nice two
0: years in a row that we have good water. So I would expect yeah, to last see. Last
1: year, you know, last year was kind of like a, a stage setter, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. This year is going to be the year. This year is going to pop wide. So – after every drought, it's going to take two to three years to set the proper stage. And that means that they have to enter a good post recovery. If they don't enter a post- good post recovery, like they've got no chance at being able to, like they have to have good fat reserves on their body to start growing robustly prior to uh, having any type of precipitation from the spring or the summer enter into the picture to make anything happen. Like you could have, Mm-hmm. the driest year prior and then have a decent spring winter and spring. Mm-hmm. But post rot recovery was poor because they rutted hard and didn't have a lot of fat on their body. And you're just going to see nice bucks. You're going to see good bucks. You know what I mean? March, uh, what do you call it? Like May comes around and start seeing some decent growth. Um, June, July. Right. Cause we all know that they don't shed till like October out there for, for yep. the most part in the lower areas. And, um, you know, this year, this year, bro, is just going to be phenomenal. You know what I really love about this year? What's that? Here's here's my prediction. Here's my, like, here's what I think is going to happen. I think that some of the tougher hunts where you can't just, you know, drive down the road or sneak through the pines or the junipers, and a dumb one's not going to be standing there, like the units where you really have to hunt your tail off.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: um a lot of those units quotas won't be met because people aren't used to hunting like that and you're going to see an issue because since it's not a drought year and people should pay attention to this these animals are not going to come to the water like they normally do because there's so much feed on the ground it's a wet year right so you're not going to be sit water it's just kind of like have fun buddy like good luck with that
0: yeah, um, those last couple of years where we had drought and everybody was sitting in water and there was... I mean, that's why we're in the predicament that we're in now. That's why they went to this new quota system is because mm-hmm. shit. And, and it was funny when you were saying the restraint thing, and not to cut you off, <coughs> your, I was thinking the same thing. That second year of drought, I was like, I'm not sitting in water because I'm not even going to go hunt, actually. <laughs> I didn't even hunt because... I felt bad taking yeah. a deer when there was so much going on. So I haven't really, the last two years, I mean, last year was mainly because I freaking got COVID right in the middle of season. But, um, I, uh, I was like, no, nah, I'm I'm not doing this. Like, this is not, this is not good. The deer, the deer herd doesn't need John Stallone out there taking another deer out. Yeah. So, and,
1: you know I, this is going to be very unpopular i'm going to say this It'll be super unpopular people are going to not like me and i'm sorry it has to be on on your podcast you're probably gonna cut it out
0: that's fine <laughs> but, <laughs> but nobody likes nobody like, likes me anyway so <laughs> that's fine
1: um people are liking me less and less so we're, we're good um i'm just joking people love you <laughs> and um you, you know i think that if you have to sit water to get it done like gosh shame on you hone some woodsman skills I mean sitting water is not the only way to get it done let the walk, let the animals drink freely let them do their thing freely go out there and match them on their own terms match them you know go out in their living room and match with them see how good you are like make that a challenge and if you know you're not good enough then go back to the drawing board and figure it out like to kill them where they have to come drink that sucks i think that's kind of why that's like taking advantage that's predatory and i know that you know pre- predators whatever like we are predators we kill you know but it's like mate i mean then why are you bow hunting Can rifle tag like yeah. if you're bow hunting and you and you really like the essence of getting close then you know like' don't, don't hunt them over water don't hunt them over bait for sure like hunt them hunt them out where they live Anyway, that's uh, for a whole other story. I know I, that a lot of people like
0: to hunt. I've killed, I've killed things off of water. Hell, I've even killed things off of bait over the years, you know, in in certain states like Texas. But, um, you know, it all has its time and its place, and it all has the. You know, for me personally, it was just like, okay, yeah, whatever, let's do that. But, um you know, my preference obviously is not to do that. I don't, I would much rather and, and not necessarily because I want to prove to myself that, um, I'm a better hunter than having to be able to sit and wait. Cause I tree stand hunt all the time. Right. That's that's sitting and waiting. Um, you know,
1: yeah, and
0: that's next level rough. I don't know how you do it. Well, you know, it's a, it's a, I, I, it's a, it becomes a chess match versus, um, I don't know. I think it's, it's more about the strategy than the physicality of it. Um, right. where, you know, spot and stalk becomes, I mean, don't get me wrong. Obviously, there's, there's strategy involved in, in stalking an animal and you want to, you know, you want to have a great plan to do that. Um, but, it's all about strategy. Like there's, you really can't out hike, you know, you can't, we're, we're in a, in a spot and stalk situation. You can get up the mountain fast enough to cut a deer off. You can, you know, physically push yourself to, a, to a limit or something that is going to, not necessarily going to turn into a success, but you're going to create opportunities, you know, um, where, in a tree stand it's like okay i need to do all my outsmarting right now and once i make that decision i'm i'm stuck with that decision at least for that hunt anyway that day whatever you know um, okay. so it's it's a different one and it, and it takes it takes a lot to um, mentally, for me to do it because I am not, and this is why I was going down. What about the waterhole stuff? Like, I hate fucking sitting. Hate it. I'm a, you know, I don't know if it's ADD tall. or whatever, but I know I do not. You know, like I would much rather still hunt than than do that. I would much rather spot spot stalk than anything. That's like my style, and I and I, and I think a lot of it has to do with to the challenge of it all, but and the excitement of it all is is definitely. Uh, is definitely heightened but it's it's got it's like i said it's got its place and for different hunts and different animals there's there's reasons that i enjoy it and that i i could see why other people would want would enjoy it too and want to do it so um yeah
1: and let me paraphrase that i think i'm speaking more as it pertains to desert hunts like I don't really yeah. care if you sit water for like an antelope or something like that in a ground blind, or you know, I, I I'm a mule deer lover yeah. through and through, and, and you know that. Like, yeah, I know. I just think these on, on really dry years, right? That uh-huh. like, these deer they just don't have a choice. They die if they don't. So if you die if you don't, and you got somebody sitting twenty yards from brick and water, yeah, all day long every day during hen season, kind of like.
0: I but catch it I, I and I that's, I can't say that I haven't utilized it. I've utilized it as an outfitter. I've utilized that as that idea as you know myself. Um, you know, not what to, in twenty twenty I shot a buck off of a couesier buck off of water. Um, not count because <laughs> <laughs> they could jump yeah. your straight.
2: <laughs>
1: Uh, you know, I have this. I have this. Uh, this other thing that um, that I've been I've been paying attention to, and I think people are going to appreciate this a little bit. Um, so I, I've been paying attention the last, specifically, probably the last seven eight years, to how deer behave, and as it correlates to jumping the string per se.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and when a deer actually jumps the string, generally speaking, not always, not always, but generally speaking, if that deer has their head down feeding mm-hmm. or drinking or, you know, whatever, um, they have the opportunity to duck that string, um, from what I've gathered by almost double or more. Oh yeah. So if, if they're like standing erect and their heads up, mm-hmm uh, their ability to duck the string is like significantly lost
0: because they actually use their neck and their head as a lever to throw their body down. Yeah, they actually like flip their head up, and it, it it creates, I guess, leverage to throw their body down.
2: Yes. Yeah,
1: I've been watching it for a while now. Like, and I have not been shooting deer while they're feeding anymore. Like, I don't yeah. shoot them when they're feeding anymore i used to be like oh it's feeding perfect feeding broadside perfect you know it was like a big thing yep. it's feeding relaxed broadside i don't shoot deer feeding broadside no, um, i wait till they lift their head up
0: they're 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 um, wound up tight like a spring you you know what, mm-hmm. what i have found um and this really actually came out from coos deer hunting because they seem to be the freaking wildest out of all of every any any animal that i've ever shot at um except for maybe ibex um what I found works the best, and I had I had this conversation actually with Randy Ulmer. We were having this very exact conversation. I did a whole podcast on it. Um is I actually wait till they make a step, make a movement. I watch their body and as soon as they flick their tail, I know they're gonna they're gonna make a either a step forward or they're gonna make some kind of a movement. And as soon as they make that movement, that's when I when I send the arrow, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And it has minimized. And everybody's like, "Oh, but that's not ethical." They're moving, you know. Listen, man, if you're in bow range and a deer takes one step forward, and you're know he's taking one step forward, like yeah, you know where to aim, you. right? You know where to aim. Yeah. I can guarantee you that deer is going to get out of the way a lot faster if he's not doing that. Um, yeah. You know, we're speaking about speaking about water holes. Like when they're walking up to the water hole, I don't wait till they drink. Fuck, when they're drinking, they're the most wound up they mm. ever will be. You mm-hmm. know, they're they're tight, they're a spring ready to explode. As they're walking up to it, that's when you freaking shoot them.
2: Yeah.
0: Or as they're walking away, that's when you shoot them because. You know the jumping of the string thing is that's a that's a very real thing. <laughs> you know. Like, so
1: this podcast, like literally, this is like a huge nugget, right? Yeah. If if it, most people fail with timing, it's mm-hmm. not. Uh, how many times do you hear guys say? I was in bow range. I I was sitting on that buck bedded for six hours, and the wind changed, or I was, you know, right in range, but you know, whatever, for whatever reason, didn't work out. Yep. You, the most critical part of most conversations or of your outdoor pursuit is absolutely going to be understanding timing. Like knowing what you can get away with, when you can get away with it, knowing when to be aggressive and when to lay off. Yeah, and, and that's like a huge...
0: And how, do, how, does one, how does one figure that out? How did you figure that out? You know, what were the... Yeah, but obviously that's that's the, you know the obvious easy thing, but like, what, what were you doing? Like, how do you, how are you paying attention to what it is that works and what doesn't work? I, I know that sounds kind you of know, weird, but it's like,
1: you know, I think the one thing that people can learn from us, John, um, is that since we have
0: failed, I, I'm a, spe- <laughs> a, I'm, a spe- well,
1: <laughs> I, I'm a species specialist, specialist, right? Right. So for me, it's like, it, it, if you ask something about mule deer, I mean, I'm probably the best person, one, not the best, but one of the better people to go to is that resource. If you ask me about anything else, I don't know. I don't know. I, can I hunt it successfully? Yeah, I have high confidence level. I can go kill an elk or like anything you throw at me. Um, but I chose mule deer because I think they're the toughest. Um, I've been around a lot of other animals, been around a lot of friends killing other animals. and. And I just don't think that. The, I think Coos deer are, are probably cagier. I think whitetail in general are probably cagier. Oh, yeah. I think mule deer are more curious, so they leave that, that room for error of curiosity that kind of screws them. Mm-hmm. Um, and a mule deer just doesn't care. You see a white flag, it's gone. Like, that's it. Like, they don't stop to look at anything. And I've been around them, you know, enough to see that, and, and it's kind of always kind of made me chuckle a little bit. I think the only reason why I haven't pursued Kuzdier is because they're so little. Like the racks are little. I like
0: right. That's most
2: people bones. That's where that's most people's rub with, is with them.
1: <laughs> yeah, if, if they grew 200 inch racks, I'd probably chase Kuzdier too. But since they don't, I'm kind of like eh. And it's funny because I, uh, I have an old buddy who owns a ranch uh, down there,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and. I literally—I don't know—it was probably ten years ago. I don't know how long it was, something like that. Might have been longer. Um, I had like about a 140-inch cooter in front of me. I, th-
0: I think you remember those. I remember you telling me this story, and I wanted to fucking strangle you through the phone.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I had this deer at bow range, and and I was just looking at it, going, "This thing looks like a tiny, like you know, it's a tiny mule deer." Like a hundred and forty-inch coos, it was a nine-point coos that had a, just a ginormous
0: freaking
1: tail frame, and you know had it was just a big, big coos buck running muley does, um, and there was a couple of uh, you know coos deer does kind of like nearby, like mm-hmm. within fifty to seventy yards, but he was like for whatever reason paying attention to the, the muleys, yeah, and and I'm like I had that deer at. Forty at fifty yards at seventy yards, like sitting there watching them red. I'm like, that thing is the weirdest looking thing ever. And I'm like, that's a Coos deer for sure. It looked just like the does. Mm-hmm. There's nothing different than it in the does. It had a darker, a slightly darker tail. It didn't have like the. It had a longer tail, but it was it. It had all the white fluffy hair on the bottom, just like a Coos. Like everything was the same. It's just a slightly darker tail, like, right? You know, it was, it was it was not black, but it was darker in the back. It's just a massive freaking frame. And I'm like, that's just a giant coos deer. But it was like a, a 140 buck. I'm like, eh. Yeah. And and I just didn't <laughs> shoot it. And I,
0: I, I still, to this day, when you told me that for story the first time, I was so mad at you. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I've had a
1: lot of people tell me I'm the biggest idiot in the face of the Yeah, because, like, oh, you stupid. know,
0: have a freaking world record coos deer. Well, you know too small for you no
1: yeah, that thing stayed there for like a week too <laughs> i saw it like every day
0: oh god that's...
1: <laughs> that's the that's the more pathetic thing about it is that Ugh. thinking back i probably should have shot it like you know what i mean like hindsight's 2020 20, every day of the week and thinking back i just probably should have shot it just that, that way i could have a and coos deer you know but yeah no i looked at it and I'm not, like, not a bitching coos deer,
0: like the bitching coos deer <laughs> like <laughs> yeah you know, he
1: was a tank.
0: Yeah, but uh, yeah, oh, it, was, it was
1: cool to see him. Um,
0: so, so anyway, that, we, I so. kind of took you. We took us off there. What, what are what are these things that? What are you like in the past? What were you paying attention to that you knew were the components of? If I pay attention to this stuff and I learn this stuff, I'm. Got to be able to translate it to success hopefully i put that the right way
1: i think that the best way you could do is just take it for face value for what we say and practice it because for me it came from you know literally killing dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of these things like literally and then i kind of compiled all of the data okay that bug was bedded this one was feeding this one like i can remember i can recall to a high level, mm-hmm. uh, like what happened for each kill, like how far it was, what I you know what I did and whatnot, and it's kind of interesting because um, I mean, granted, some of the stuff is so long ago, I you know I don't remember all the details to it, but by and large, it's kind of like this own your own little knowledge bank that right. you build up. You're like, oh, okay, well that happened, so I'm not doing that again, you know. And after a while, you start just kind of building this little bank of knowledge and wisdom that you draw from and and i don't think half the time i cognizantly know what it is especially that the first 10 years of my hunting i didn't really think of it that way i was just out there trying to improve the last five to eight years of my hunting i've really been kind of like highly focused on what am i doing um like i pay attention to everything to a very finite level like the wind and you know the weather and What are they doing and where are they all at? Like before, if I had seven does feeding my gut and I saw the buck bed and I knew where four of them were, I'd be like, cool, let's go. And I get screwed by one of those does like three hours later, you know, (laughs) now I'm like, okay, I'm missing a doe. And I'll like literally change angles on country until I find her ass. And I'm like, ah, there she is. Okay. Now we can go in. Yeah. I, I, you know, you just don't make the same mistakes because those mistakes costed you, like, you know, the buck you should have had. Right. I think that's I, it, more, it's, simple to,
0: it's simple to say, right? Because think about, I mean, that, there's a saying out there. Everybody knows the saying. And I've heard me say it a million times, you know, doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result is insanity, the, the definition of insanity. But yet, that is what happens a lot. You know, and I think too, what happens too is like, I know it's happened to me. I've had success one way and then I never found success that one way again, but I continue to go back to that, whatever it is. I can't even think of one off the top of my head, but you know, so it's not only about, hey, this worked. It's like, hey, this worked, but and I'm gonna I'm gonna keep it in the toolbox. But let let me let me look at it. Why did it work? Is it really working? Did it really work because I did this
2: uh, well, a certain daughter, way,
0: uh, or because of, this, or of the, or because of conditions, or because of the terrain? Like, what was it that made it work? Why does that little specific thing work at this very specific time in this very specific place?
1: I believe um, that those things work because through really hard lessons, we found out what didn't work. Yep. Like, I mean, the, the best lessons we ever learn are the times that we lose. Exactly. It, it, tells, it, it, it truly lets us know whether or not we have what it takes to continue going or not. I mean, you know, we could, every single human being has the ability to get lucky and strike the lotto or kill a giant buck or we we see it all the time right but if you make a decision to look yourself in the mirror and say i want to go out and do this and i want to be good at it every single year and i want to like basically know like clockwork that you know i can get it done well then you better start taking a lot of hard looks about how bad you want it because that's a different endeavor altogether Mm -hmm. that's going to be hard like it's not hard to go out in the woods every now and then and and kill a deer
0: it's not hard at all people do it every year yeah
1: yeah it's it's definitely not hard and so like people listen to these podcasts they sit there and go well why are these guys making it sound like it's so freaking tough to go kill a deer well you know it's not it's not tough to go kill a deer but if you want if you want to be uh, you know any of those guys that are out there every year grinding hard and making it happen and you're wondering why and how that happens at such a high level well then it's going to be hard it's gonna be hard because you're gonna be going to multiple different states, multiple different units, multiple different places you've never been to before, understanding what to look for, how to figure it out, putting it all together. And then, you know, not just tagging a two and a half, three and a half year old deer. Shoot, not even four and a half. Like if you wanna tag a mature deer, then not only do you have to do all the above, but now you gotta find out where, you know, something that's old and smart lives in all of those states every single year so you've got your homework out for you and you've got a lot of time working family and work and no your wife is probably not going to be as understanding as you might want her to be <laughs> after a while she might think you're crazy and your colleagues your co-workers are going to think you're crazy and you know, you're going to miss out on barbecues and you will learn that you're probably not going to drink as much beer as you thought you would because you're going to end up hurting often than not. and you're going to need to be in shape in order to go into these mountains. Yeah, there's a lot of people on high point units or on, you know, private land tags that can whack monsters on flat level, but you're not going to go into the high country out of shape and do any good consistently. I promise you that. Yeah. Like, it, it, there's certain places that just require you to work harder. And the harder you work, the better the result. And so, like, no, it's not hard for anybody to go into into any unit and get lucky once. But I guarantee you, you're not going to repeat that. And if you do, it's probably going to be 20 years later. So if you want consistency and you want multiple states with consistency and, you know, you're looking to truly make this not just a sport, not a hobby, but, like, a part of your life. Well, then, then, you know, listen up, right? Like that's what these things are for. That's why we do this. And that's why we even entertain the idea of being, you know, heard or listened to or anything like that. Because we feel like, hey, I'd I'd like to give back. I'd like to help. At the end of the day, if we're not helping for a good reason, if we're not trying to advocate for hunting to continue and be preserved. So that way our children's children can hunt in the future and it not be taken away from us. we have to think bigger than ourselves like if we're so small-minded that all we want to do is hunt for ourselves and screw everyone else doesn't matter what anyone else thinks let them shut down bear hunts let them shut down lion hunts let them shut down this and that slowly but surely take everything away from us to all we have is you know the pistol grip of a gun we don't even get to have a gun anymore they took the ammunition they took the components away to make ammunition now all of a sudden. It's the same thing. They took away your ability to use hounds. Then they take away your ability to, you know, hunt a certain species. Then they take another one away. Then they eliminate season dates. Then they make it a quota. Then from a quota, they they say, oh, well, too many are being taken. We're going to, you know, make it in January. So now too many are being taken in August, September, and, and December. So we don't need the late hunt anymore. And then, you know, slowly but yeah. surely, it's going to get stripped away right from underneath you, and you didn't even know what happened. So the only reason why I do this is not to educate people because I care so much that I want people to be sitting on the same mountains I'm sitting on. Like, honestly, if I can be candid, fuck you. Like, no, I don't need any fucking help. Okay. And, and, and that's being raw, but the reality is it's bigger than me. I care about the perpetuation of what's going to happen happen after me when my son hits the field. I want to advocate for people to say, Hey, stay interested. In these companies that are bringing these world-class technologies to the forefront of what we do, look in the mirror, know that they're not going to make you a better hunter, but they'll make you more comfortable when you're out there and you focus on yourself and take, you know, hone your craft and really pay attention to what you're doing. You have the opportunity to be good too, but do it knowing that there's something bigger than just you killing a buck. Like if you go out there on a general tag and shoot a, three and a half year old gear that's like a 150 spindly four point and you put your rifle next to it and you're sitting there going yeah look at this stud i just shot a stud like dude look yourself in the mirror you're looking for likes and comments and sponsorships get away from that as fast as you can and if people don't like me for that they can unfollow me they can quit my name out of like the history books like i don't care I, I want to do this because i actually care about hunting existing for all of us in 100 years and the way to get hunting to exist for all of us in 100 years is not to stay silent it's to continue to do these podcasts with you it's to continue reaching out with my companies that i work with and doing projects with them uh it's that showing that we can be responsible hey we were all kids once we've all like been wild before we've all done our things we've grown up, now we're mature, it's time to give back, now it's time to like, okay, so I'm not going to just kill a buck, to kill a buck, and I get that every single kid out there needs to kill his first buck, doesn't matter what it is, if it's a young buck, it's a young buck, like, everyone does, and everybody needs to go through their process, um, but if you're one of those people that hunts really, really hard for a big buck, and takes a last day buck, like, honestly, that's, that's, that's where you, you really need to curve in your your intake or your desire to like pull the trigger. That's where you sit there and say, I worked really, really hard. I didn't see what I wanted to see, so I need to eat this tag in order for like, their success to become those better bucks that I do want to shoot. Otherwise, if we all just take last day bucks, we're never going to see good bucks again.
0: Gotcha. I, I don't know. Uh, me, personally, maybe because I... I have been known to take last day buck um and for me a last day buck <clears throat> let me clarify so you can understand me not 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 so that uh I could justify it but I'm just so for understanding reasons I have an idea of what makes me happy okay and that's my benchmark whatever that may be, could be 150 inches, could be, we're talking about mule deer, could be 170 inches, could be 190 inches, I don't know, whatever the case may be, that's, if I see a buck that's in that benchmark for me, more than likely I'm probably going to go shoot it, but there are times where I say, you know what? I, even though I want, I am happy with this caliber deer, I'm going to continue to hunt because I want the adventure. I want the hunt. I want the experience. I'm going to continue to hunt the whole hunt. And if on the last day I come across my benchmark deer and I haven't come across that next level deer, I'm going to shoot it. It's, it's kind of like. It's not. I think
1: that's perfect, though. I think there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's what you, sh- you should do. Like, I, I'm not against that. I think that's that's. I think what I'm saying is like, if you let's say you have a benchmark,
2: mm-hmm.
1: whatever it is, let's say it's 150, yeah. and you hunt all week long and you just don't see a 150, so you end up shooting a fork.
0: Oh yeah, well that's different. That's like, different. I but just, I don't fault people for that too either, because like you know, if you're doing it because you also want to fill the freezer, and yes you wanted to try to play the trophy game. Like, I I don't know. I have a hard time limiting people. Um, when, you know, I have a hard time limiting people, what they should and shouldn't be able to be able to do when it comes to haunting. And now mind you, as long as it's following a sound management practices, now that's not going to help your argument that you were saying earlier about, you know, having a, higher you know age class or bigger trophy quality in a unit or whatever the case may be that you know that's why there's units managed for those things that's why and then that's why there's general units so it's hard From, from I, being I'm going to put I my don't, management I don't hat agree with you. I'm going to, I, don't,
1: I I don't disagree I don't disagree with you yeah I, I agree with you on all this I don't think for a second that I have a right to tell somebody else what to do on their hood. right? Like if that makes you happy, it makes you happy. But don't sit there. Don't
0: bitch. A, don't bitch about not having an and age don't class. Don't bitch you, about yeah, not I, I, seeing I'm the buck. I am with you. I am with you. One hundred percent. If you're
1: gonna bitch about not seeing the buck you want to see and that you took about, it and then you ended up taking the last day buck, then shame on you.
0: Right. No, like, hundred you. percent. You're nothing 100%. but a
1: pro- You're nothing but a problem. Hundred percent but i if, if you go into it and like you want to fill the freezer like fuck, fill the freezer go for like do it you know like I, I think that's great and if you want to take your kid and kill a small year and a half you know yearling buck or two and a half year old deer because that's you know what what you want then then do it like I, i'm with you i'm not i don't agree i don't i'm sorry i don't disagree in, in it from any point of view i think that the issue i've been seeing this year specifically because it's been such a tough year in a lot of areas a lot of people complaining about age class Mm -hmm. and then harvesting a lesser buck
0: yeah no, that's that's
1: it's hypocritical it's just a total like you gotta you gotta be willing to eat that And dude i've eaten tags already this year because like i don't want to be a part of that problem i'm trying to you know if anything this year i'm trying to set a tone You gotta, you gotta hold fast. Yeah, no. Unless you know, you. I I admire you for doing that.
0: You know, you're 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 willing to let, you know, you're 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 being polarizing by you know taking that stance, and you're going to take heat for it, like you said. So you know, you're willing to take a few on the chin to to stand up for you know what you feel is right, and I think that's fucking admirable, you know, and dude,
1: there's there's places where I used to go see eighty. I counted eighty three deer. Uh, well, let me put it this way. I hunted a spot, bigger spot, uh, probably seven, eight times two years ago. Mm-hmm. No less than seven or eight times. The most I saw in the morning was like like eighty three deer. The least I saw there was probably seventy in the morning like i mean Logic. dude you just look back and you saw a group of six or seven you see three more you know and they're all okay so you keep looking around all over the place. new new gear just pop up and you're like wow and i remember scrolling once doing a pan from left to right
2: mm-hmm.
1: glassing with the grain light the uh, sunrise coming in from the left hand side mid-morning like I consider seven forty five, eight, eight thirty, like you know, not ten, like that's late morning. Right. Mid morning doing a pan from left to right. And as I moved, counting eighty three deer in that pan, <laughs> not oh, there's six over there, let me add those twelve over here. I saw four more over there thirty minutes ago. Like I mean in one pan. <laughs>
0: that's crazy.
1: Seeing eighty three deer. And 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 we're talking on a summertime, you know, in the summer, we're not talking like in In kind of like crap desert, not um, you know, winter range, like where they're all grouped up or something. I mean this is just different deer or different parts of the mountain. and granted, I've stepped back three to four miles and I'm passing like you know basically an eight mile stretch of country, but still there's a lot of animals concentrated in there. Um, and it it's interesting because I went back there last year it was bad. and this year I went back there a few times to look, and it was like,
0: I saw three does. Was there a major change in the habitat? Um, drought.
2: Yeah.
1: Just drought. Massive drought. Uh, junipers, significant amount of junipers were dead. So that lets you know that the water and the soil, Yeah. Uh, those roots go deep. down pretty deep. Um, yeah, it's just just massive drought but uh with that being said like i think anybody should be able to make their hunt whatever they want of it i I would never give anybody a hard time for like making their hunt what they wanted like i think that's what we should do i just think that it's like you know be willing to put yourself in check if um if, if you you know if you set a benchmark like stick with that benchmark um you know don't compromise that and compromise the herd when the herd really at the end of the day needs your help um, we don't need anybody to come in and tell us what to do as a result of it. The worst thing that we can do is what we're seeing right now actually is, you know, people telling us what we can and can't do, what a limit is, what a quota is, if we can self-impose something as hunters that, that uh, makes us, you know, more responsible to the animals that we love so much, then like all the more better. Right. But anyway, I mean, I, I realize that I'm going to be met with some unpopular, uh, you know, views that way. I just think that where does responsibility start if it doesn't start with ourselves?
0: Yeah, of course. I mean, that could be said about a lot of things. (laughs) For sure. Totally. Yeah. I mean... um, And, and,
2: and, and, you
1: know, for all intents and purposes, just one more thing. Mm -hmm. Like, I would rather have conversations that incite, like, either a riot or start a fire or talk about something that's really meaningful than sit here and have, like, you know, a conversation where we just both agree with each other and pat each other on the back the whole time. Like oh, I'd oh, yeah, have meaningful conversations that,
0: for sure that doesn't you know. that doesn't get it you don't you don't get any well you know if we're talking specifically about specific tactics that's one thing but when you're having conversation or debate about uh you know philosophical type stuff because that's what we're talking about we're not we're not talking about how, how you kill mule deer right now um we're talking about why you kill a mule deer which is completely different um you can't you can't get anywhere like you know, like you said, if we're just both oh yeah, yeah cool and you know, or secretly holding back with what what you want to say, that's you know it's not productive for sure I mean i i I'm in this stuff all the time, like I'm in that that debate all the time because with how wildlife, i mean you'd be floored on how much opposition we meet from the same side from hunters you know it's and it's just like weird weird thing because in you know in my head i'm like man you're a hunter you should be on board like i don't care that you don't do this type of hunting or that's not something that's going to directly affect your hunting but you should be on board because you're a hunter and you understand what your fellow hunter is going through um so no i i know very well you know what that uh dude i've I've been
1: i i have like i have so many like little you know little internal conflicts about about little things Uh, and and by and large i'm on board with making sure I advocate for hunting, period. Like screw people, I, I advocate hunting for uh, for you know to continue as a heritage, as a tradition, as um, being part of the solution in creating men. Right um, in a society where candidly, like everybody's turning into like not not so manly, not <laughs> not such a man, masculine society. But if I have a friend that is or a couple friends that. Because of the gallery, because of my clientele, because of where I am at, um, I deal with you know people from all walks of life. I just had a a, a Navy Seal that retired just recently. I think he just got out on in April. Okay, um, he just moved to the East Coast. He was stationed out here, um, lived in Oceanside, um, was uh, on multiple deployments as a seal, and then trained in uh, san diego train new recruits he's like mm-hmm. the stuff that we can do now um it's almost like we can't do any, we can't even train these young men for war we have to be careful because it's it's considered unethical
0: oh yeah <laughs> i was just listening and to- it's kind of like it's, it's it's laughable it's
1: laughable john i know like we live in a society where like you know Our warriors are going to die because people because
0: we have to coddle them Is supposed
1: to be fucking cute and cuddly, and that freedom has no price tag. It's just this thing that we have, and it's it's sad and pathetic and crazy. So, if anything, you know, I know that the sun is going to that my son is going to be tested by the mountain. Mm -hmm. Like he's going to have to, he's going to look at the top, and it's going to be daunting. And you know those like you know, those ridges that we go up and it's steeper than crap. And you got these false ridges and you're like, Oh my God, I'm almost there. And you look at are like shit.
0: Yeah. You're not not even close.
1: (laughs) Like you're not even close. And and those ones are like the cool, you know, those ones truly forge our kids. They forge us. Mm -hmm. They forge our kids. Like they make us realize, okay, we're not to the top. We're not even close. And, you know, you fight through the struggle, you fight through the mental conflicts of, you know, Am I going to do this? Do I want to do it? Like, how bad do I want this? And, and you know, that really has a lot to do with, like, how bad do you want life? How bad do you want to live? How bad do you want to protect your family? How bad do you want to protect this country? How bad do you want to, you know, preserve what a man should be? The, sancti- the sanctity of what, you know, what a good man does for this country. And, and like, I'm all for hunting just because it creates men. It creates strong women. It creates strong families. It creates strong bonds. It creates friendships like none other. There's nothing like, I mean, I don't hunt elk, but I've hauled, like, a dozen of them off the mountain, my friend. I'll tell you what, I have respect for the fact that it sucks Mm -hmm. hauling quarters off a mountain. Like, I've hauled, you know, 175, probably just shy of 200-pound packs, and I know guys have hauled more off, but, like, that's my limit. You know, that's my hips feel like they're going to pop out, right? Like... You're just like, uh, what am I doing this for? It sucks. And then when you get down, you're laughing with your buddy. You're like, oh my god, like that was freaking something else. You know that was badass. And and you know the next day after it's all said and done, like guess what? you do it all over again. And you miss it. Yep. And and I think that society is missing that dude. Like I'm watching people going to Starbucks, and I look at their hands. Like I posted this. Video on my feed earlier about just like having man hands, like calluses and you know mm-hmm. cuts and scars and and like I go to like a just a just anywhere doesn't matter where it is. I'm just looking at these fair skinned like have never.
0: Oh yeah, without a doubt, as like, a society, we've become a bunch of softies. And, and I I could consider myself soft until I compare myself to, you know. Minor, you know what, by mount, friends.
1: you have the like, mountain to thank for that, I and mean, y- yeah. you have hunting to thank for that. Like I, I
0: do. Yeah, I, 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 I got dad. I got my dad whipping my ass as a kid when I did shit wrong. You know, I have all that. There's a lot. There's a lot that goes in. The fact that I've been working since I was a, a kid. Like I always had a job. Like you know, busting my hands, breaking my balls and back to freaking do shit. And man, I was sitting. it wasn't like. I don't know, a couple months ago, we were watching something, I me and I was watching something with my kids on TV. And, oh, I remember what it was. It was an old 80s movie. And it was a never ending story. And the guy, the kid gets, the bullies take the kid and they throw him into a dumpster, you know? And not like a day or two earlier, my middle child was saying to, my wife or me or whatever stop bullying me i'm like fuck that's not bullying that's us telling you what what you're doing wrong you know and then that came on we were watching and i'm pointing i was like that is bullying that this is what bullying is you guys don't know what freaking bullying is cuz they they don't allow it anymore like they stop it and yeah listen is it safer for our kids is it what you know but at, at there's some point that that school bully was was somebody that hardened you. I got freaking bullied a li- and I and I was I was a popular person. I was I you know, I considered myself a good-looking guy. I've always been in good shape. I was in sports, whatever. You know, so like I wasn't your stereotypical person to get bullied, but I got bullied at at points in my life and those those times made me rise to the occasion, you know, rise to to the opposition of that, right? And it, and it shaped me into a different person and made me a stronger person more, you know, but, and I'm like, and I can't understand like these kids like today are so, I I don't know if you saw my, my mule deer, uh, video. This is actually a great, um, example of it. My mule deer video from, from Utah. I I drew, um, I drew a, a special rifle tag there and it was the books close hunt last year and i put out this video and in the in my opening statements i caught so and i don't know if anybody really caught this but i i talk about how society has changed and how people are just expect things to happen and they're everybody's so um i don't know like they feel like they deserve they deserve things that they didn't earn, and throughout that hunt, because it was a, you know, quote unquote trophy tag and a and a high profile hunt, I started to like. I'm like, oh, you know, I I was like expecting it to be easy. I was starting to fall right. into that to that mindset, and it like, I'm like, whoa! I had to snap back and be like, listen. Just because it's a fucking high high profile hunt doesn't mean it's gonna be handed to you. And so my opening my opening statement, actually I should probably freaking I'll play it for you right now. Let me see if I can pull it up and, and put it on the podcast. But um it, it it was so funny and I keep get I kept getting like comments from people like oh you should you know you should be talking about that and you know, people are I was just like, oh, I, I should have showed you. Some, I got to show you something for it. Oh, it's still wiping. There we go. All right. I'm going to play it so you can hear it. It's Glassed up this buck. He's a mature buck. I don't know what he scores, but he's heavy. He's got a big buck.
2: It's
1: interesting that, you know, while you're searching, searching for that, Like to, to kind of this just. right here add in how no, yards, prolific pop over, this is know, becoming to, be to a point where it's actually a conversation that needs to be had right like this conversation would never take place 50 years ago and a lot of people would blame it on well you know we've evolved
0: right we're, we're, we're becoming what are we evolving to a pile of mush <laughs> exactly. okay exactly All right, here it is. Dude, I missed. I missed them. There's Here's my monologue. I got a lot of shit for this. Little by little, everything is slipping away, or at least changing, and not necessarily for the better. It's sad, frustrating, and often feels inevitable that things will be different or not even exist in the future if we do not work to right the ship. At times, I am saddened that my kids won't experience life as I knew it growing up. A life where people relied on people, where everything wasn't directly at our fingertips, and you had a real sense of accomplishment when you earned something. Technologies have made our lives easier, but not better. A at
1: some point in time, John will find this for us, everyone. Ladies and gentlemen, keep... Being patient with the <laughs> oh,
0: oh, you can't hear that? Oh, it's playing.
2: It is? Oh, yeah, it's playing.
0: I don't know why you can't hear it. We It's coming through. It's getting recorded. <laughs> I'll send it to you if you haven't heard it. I can't hear anything. Oh, that's weird. Surprise. If I look back at any achievement I have ever made, the ones that will finish letting it play out, and then I'll... The sweetest, the ones that are the most memorable... The most worth it are the ones that I worked the hardest for. I am reminded of this ideal in this magically haunted place. Watching the first ribbons of amber hit the wind-blown rock face. Fingers numb from the cold and still wiping the sleep out of my eyes. I actively wait to see what the day will bring. A chance, no, an opportunity to see if I can earn my next memory. Because I know. If I have to earn it. It will be. A memory worth making. All right. So. You didn't get to hear that. But I just sent it over to you. Um, the podcast li- listeners got to hear it. Because I could see that it was definitely recording. Um, Yeah. <laughs> when, when you get a chance. You look at it. And uh, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. But it's. Um I don't know. It's hard to talk about it. No. I wanted to finish talking about it because you haven't heard it yet. I basically I just basically uh laid it out where I was like, you know, life is changing. Um we're 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 going down this path basically that we don't um we don't appreciate things. We we expect things um, you know everything needs to be right then and there at our fingertips. We don't want to, you know, go after it. I mean, look at society. Like hell, we can't even watch a freaking thirty-second video anymore. Like that's too long. Like everything is so. I want it here. I want it now. I want, you know, we just got used to that. That mentality, and I think. We're we're part of the few, um, you know. You probably add ranchers in there and farmers, and you know, there's a few other people out there. Um, I don't want to offend anybody. I'm sure there's other groups that that, but I know for a fact that those populations, those those segments of the population, are are still enjoy and look forward into to the what. What you have to put into something to get something out, like, right, yeah, so
1: yeah, I, I think that just the entitlement-based, um, you know, philosophy that we see more and more of nowadays is just something that I'm kind of like revolting against more than anything else. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, I, I enjoy um, representing the side that says no, that that's not me. And, uh, never will be. And, and honestly, if it comes easy, then, you know, I don't want it. Like I'd rather work hard for it. Cause I like knowing what it's uh, like to earn something and how it feels mm-hmm. to earn. Yeah. Um, and it's quite a feeling and, uh, you know, it's something that can't, can't be replaced. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I get that. I, I totally get it.
0: Well man, um I think uh, it's a good place for us to uh to cut it off. And um I always you know, always appreciate you coming on and uh love love conversating with you. Usually when you and I are on the phone we spend a couple of hours. <laughs> it just goes by quick, bullshitting. But um I uh I think for the podcast I think we've given given the the listeners enough to chew on for a little bit and uh
1: (laughs) (laughs) well john it's always like such a great time to speak with you and and uh, you know i find out new things about myself that i stand for Mm -hmm. every time like you know i kind of get on one of these right i I find out little bits about myself it's like introspection to the highest degree you get to literally kind of see what more and more and more what you're you know you stand for and and what you want and it wasn't always so like uh, i think we all evolve it's just the process of evolution um and um you know i'm just watching myself evolve as well so i you know more than anything i'm humbled and honored um that you would ask me to be a part
0: of your podcast
1: thank you for your time and Absolutely. absolutely thank you for having me
0: and thanks for coming on man i appreciate it we'll talk to you soon